0: Well, as we come to uh, the second kind of love, thinking about relationships, one of the broken signposts in natural theology, one of those things in us, in our experience, in our environment, that makes us look beyond ourselves and look for someone out there. Um, Relationships being a very strong one of those signposts. Um, We've been talking about the fact that love is, is kind of the... The operative word when it comes to relationships. And I talked to you last week about there being three kinds of love, and we're going to talk about them one by one. We looked last week at the first of those, which was agape love, and today we're going to look at the second one of those, which is phileo kind of love. And so you'll see the uh, Greek and English versions of those, those words. And then next week we're going to look at eros, which is the sexual kind of love, the physical kind of love. Three words that the Greek language uses and the New Testament uses to describe love. And what is the difference between the two, or between the three, and how do we live into them and out of them. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit on what I said last Sunday, and what I have many, many times said, which is the idea that agape love is the best love. So it's, it's as though as you would think, well, what is the best kind of love? Is agape the best kind of love? Is phileo the best kind of love? Is eros the best kind of love? Um, and And normally, from people like me, you would hear us saying, well, Christian love is agape love. It's, it's the highest kind of love. It is a committed kind of love. And I'm going to round back to something I talked about last week, which was the fact that Peter and Jesus had a conversation about love, about the two kinds of love that in particular are at play, the two that we're considering today, agape love and phileo love. Jesus asked Peter, did he love him with agape love? And when Peter answered him, he answered him with a phileo answer. And so it's as though Jesus might say, well, that, that's not what I asked. So the second time, Jesus said, do you love me with agape love? And Peter said, I love you with phileo kind of love. On the third occasion, Jesus said to him, do you love me with phileo kind of love? And it broke Peter's heart. And Peter what I said to you and what I'm going to round back on is that it would appear that Peter could not rise to the commitment of agape love. And so he simply said to him, I love you with phileo kind of love. That, that's the best I can do. I'm not sure I had that ju- just right. So hang on till the end of the talk and I'll tell you how it is I think that might have changed. Another passage in John is what really tweaked my thinking. And I'd like to just um, dwell on it with you today and and kind of dive into it a little bit. It's in John chapter 16. So what Jesus says then is very shortly before what happened by the Sea of Galilee. And as I was reading this, something just jumped out at me. Now, here's the way it jumped out at me. I did a, a word study in the Bible on the word love. And I did a word study on the particular kinds of love, the three Greek words that we find for love. And as I was going through the verses where Phileo love was profiled, to my amazement, this is one of the verses that that word is used for love instead of agape. I would have fully expected this verse to be one about agape. Agape being the highest kind of love or the committed kind of love that that we've been talking about. So let me read to you what Jesus said to his disciples shortly before he left them. He said, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and because you have believed that I came forth from the Father." I would have fully expected Jesus to have been using the word agape. It, it would make sense, right? Um, he's t- telling them that they can pray. And he, he first of all says, you can pray in my name. And we would say, yeah, that, that would make sense. They're praying in the name of Jesus because he's the one who has the authority. But when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says, I'm... I'm actually not telling you that you can pray and I will ask on your behalf because the Father loves you and because you love me. Okay, so maybe Jesus is saying because of agape love, because of the kind of love that the Father has for us and that we have had and should have for the Lord Jesus, that then becomes the domain in which we can make requests. Well, it's a little bit more complex than that because what Jesus says here is using the phileo kind of love and if we were to translate it differently we would say not um, because the Father himself loves you with agape, deep, committed kind of love but because the Father loves you with phileo kind of love, the kind of love that you have for me. In order to understand all that Jesus packs into that. I want to read to you just a short uh, excerpt from a book entitled Honor, Patronage, Kinship, and Purity, Unlocking New Testament Culture. It's a book that basically gets behind the scene of the, the culture in which the New Testament is written. Boy, if, if anything is gonna go wrong today, it's gonna go wrong, whether it's a microphone in my head or a microphone in a stand, so just bear with me. Um, in this book the the author says there are four things that you really need to understand about culture in the in the day of Jesus. And when Jesus says what he does to the disciples in John sixteen, um, he's talking about what we know to be patronage. so here here is what De Silva says about that in in his book, talking about these four aspects of of culture: honor, patronage, kinship, and purity. So we're we're only interested today really in patronage. Here's what he says. For everyday needs, there was the market in which buying and selling provided access to daily necessities. For anything outside of the ordinary, the person sought out the individual who possessed or controlled access so that um, the person could access what he needed and receive it as a favor. The ancient world, from the classical through the Roman periods, was one of significantly limited access to goods. The greater part of the property, wealth, and goods, um, and and power was concentrated into the hands of the few, and access to these goods was through personal connection rather than bureaucratic channels. The kinds of benefits sought from patrons depended on the needs or the desires of the petitioner, and so on. So his point is very simply. um, There was an economy um, that is a limited goods economy. That kind of economy exists in many parts of our world where there is not enough. And if there's not enough, um, probably it's not going to be shared equally. So somehow or other, you will have to get access um, to that which is held in the power or, or in the control of somebody else. So you needed a patron, and patronage in the New Testament world was a high, high value. So we know the word patron. We, you might have come across it if uh, you, you go to something in the arts, and um, maybe there's a program and the patrons of this artistic production are listed or something like that. The point is that the the presentation has been sponsored by, has been paid for, by a patron or by some patrons. And in the economy of the New Testament, patronage was the way most people got access to what they needed. When Jesus is writing to his disciples, he expects that they might think that he's talking about patronage. When he says, in that day you'll ask in my name, they might have thought, oh, okay, because Jesus is our patron, and since he has access to the Father, whatever we want, we would have to ask through him. And that would be normal. And in fact, that's really quite theological, theologically sound, that indeed it is because we have authority through Jesus that we get access to God's grace and God's provision. But Jesus kind of hesitates and he says, um, no, no, just a minute. I do not say to you that I will request on the Father from the Father on your behalf. That's patronage. He says, Because the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. So I expected that Jesus would have been saying, because the Father has agape love for you and because you have agape love for me. That's not what Jesus says. He actually says... Um, don't misunderstand me to think that I will be your patron because the Father himself loves you. What Jesus is saying to the disciples is that they can go immediately to the Father. They don't have to go through Jesus. They don't have to go with his name, even though that's the theology and that is the actual provision that comes to us. But Jesus says, did you think about this? that actually the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. And he uses the term phileo. Um, I have a relative, we have a relative who, when this person was much, much younger and more foolish, used to say this kind of funny thing. I have friends that I haven't even used yet. I have friends that I haven't even used yet. Today I want to say to you, that's not Friendship. That's patronage, right? Um, If we were to go a little bit further and just sort of drill down into what Jesus is saying about the Father's relationship with us and our relationship with Jesus, the relationship out of which we have incredible opportunity for prayer is friendship, not high agape love. Friendship, love. Fondness, love. So if we just turn this, and this would be actually a more accurate um, interpretation and and, and translation of this. Jesus said, "In, in that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say I will request of the Father on your behalf. Patronage. For the Father himself is fond of you, because you have been fond of me, and have believed that I came forth from the Father. The second kind of love is fondness. Brotherly love. Uh, In fact, the term "phileo" gives us Philadelphia. I went to school in Philadelphia. It's called the City of Brotherly Love. The people who lived there when I was there called it the City of Brotherly Shove, rather than the City of Brotherly Love. I, I once had someone sort of just bumper push me because I didn't move quickly enough driving down one of the streets of Philadelphia they said the definition of a split second in Philadelphia is the time between the light turning from red to green and the guy behind you honking. That's a split second. Brotherly love. Uh, Way back I heard a a speaker, his name was Brendan Manning, and uh, he he has written, he's gone home to be with the Lord now, but he has written some lovely books like Ragamuffin Gospel um, and Abba's Child and so on. And As he was speaking to us, I think it was in downtown Toronto at a prayer breakfast, and I don't remember a whole lot of what he had to say, except he told a story. And I went looking in his books to find the story because I presumed he had had maybe said it a few times before. Um, But here's what he says. He tells the story of Edward Farrell, a man who traveled from his hometown of Detroit to visit Ireland, where he would visit his uncle's 80th birthday. Early on the morning of his uncle's birthday, they went for a walk along the shores of Lake Killarney. As the sun rose, his uncle turned and stared right into the breaking light. For 20 minutes, they stood in silence. And then his elderly uncle began to skip along the shoreline, a radiant smile on his face. After catching up with him, Edward asked Uncle Seamus, "'You look very happy.'" you want to tell me why? Yes, lad, the old man said, tears washing down his face. You see, the father's very fond of me. Ah, uh, my father is so very fond of me. Somehow or other, when Manning told that story, and, and then he kind of framed his whole talk, in a new way, something began to dawn on me. This whole notion that the father is fond of us. You see agape love it certainly is high um committed godly christian love but it's it's in a sense it's kind of love that you have to do right you have to love all the agape ways that we love maybe we might have construed all of this to think that well god has to love us that way because that's what he's like he's like an agape Father, so of course, you know, agape love, God has to love us that way. We have to love one another that way. Like when we looked at First Corinthians 13, we looked at how agape love behaves, and we said, Yes, all of that sounds right. You're supposed to love one another that way. But when Jesus tells us about the Father's relationship with us, He doesn't go there. In this verse, he actually says the father is fond of you. And and that is a kind of love that you don't have to show to one another. It's the kind of love that you want to show one another. The father is very fond of you. And as I thought about that again this week I was I was wondering do I honestly believe that God likes me? And and here's the point this morning. Do, do you honestly know that God likes you? That, that you might break into tears as, and skip along the shores of Lake Killarney and say, my father is fond of me. He's very fond of me. We, many of us, I'm sure, have grown up with fathers that we've tried to please. And We've tried to do the things that would make them love us, that would make them appreciate us, that would make them be proud of us. And there are many folks who, all the way into adulthood, are still trying to earn their father's love, their father's acceptance, their father's approval. And for them to realize, many times, that in actual fact, their father liked them, or their father likes them, would be a great breakthrough. But how much more to get to the point of understanding that God the Father likes you. God the Father is fond of you. God the Father likes being your friend. Some of the greatest compliments that were paid in Scripture were, uh, for example, that Abraham was known to be the friend of God. Well, what does that mean that we are God's friend? Much, much more, um, in, in a practical sense, than just understanding yet that God by nature is a God of love. Because God by nature, and because of what he has done, enters into a relationship with us by which we say, he is now fond of us. He, he now likes us. He likes you. And, and you might kind of look around and say, yeah, sure. He, he likes Pat, but he, I don't think he really likes me. I, he, he might not approve of me at all. And this notion that he likes me is, is just too hard a stretch. It's, it's, it's too great a thing for me to try to grasp. But Jesus says, look, you, you can talk to the Father about anything that you want. You can ask him for anything in my name. Oh, n- not because he is a patron, not because he has to love you, but it's because he's fond of you. It's because you have been fond of me. And Jesus doesn't even pivot into the second word um, to go back to agape, for them or from the Father. He, He uses the phileo word two times and says the reason you can talk to God about whatever you need is that the Father is fond of you because you've been fond of me. If we were to take it just one step farther, Really what he was saying is in that day you will be able to ask in my name and I, will, I do not say that I will request of the Father on your behalf for the Father himself is your friend because you have been my friends and have believed that I came from the Father. At one point Jesus said to his, his followers, um, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you Friends. And the relationship that Jesus had with his 12 disciples quickly became what could be characterized simply as friendship. And the, the way that he says they can be oriented towards the Father when he leaves is that same relationship of being friends with the Father as, as they have been friends with him. Does it make a difference to you to, to grasp that God is fond of you that God is your friend that God likes to be with you he, he, he likes to hang out with you and, and when you think about friends do you recognize those friends with whom you just like to hang out no agenda um, no ask coming at the end of the conversation Just you, you just enjoy being together well, imagine this, that Jesus is saying, you have proven to be my friends. I'm fond of you. You're fond of me. The Father is fond of you. And because of that, when I leave, the relationship that we have had will continue as you express your friendship, your, your fondship of, of the Father.
1: What's a friend like?
0: Well, in this passage, we only have one thing that Jesus says about himself and his relationship with the disciples that gives us a clue. He says, You have been my friends and have believed that I came forth from the Father. So Jesus says, What has all this been about? And we think again about Peter and the friendship that Jesus had with Peter. What was happening in the development of that friendship? Peter was coming to a realization over and over again about who Jesus was. The more they walked together, the more Peter watched what Jesus did, the more Peter got what he declared at Caesarea Philippi You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, oh, My goodness, you didn't learn that from your mother, or you didn't learn that from some human being. My father has disclosed that to you. You're right. And and then even later on as Peter is watching Jesus being arrested and, he, and he's having a fit because he has come to realize who Jesus was um, and, and he can't stand the idea that the Romans are going to seize him. And so he, he, he goes to bat for Jesus for his friend. He takes his sword and tries to cut off a guy's head and misses so he only gets his ear. And Jesus says, oh, that's not what friends have to do. You don't have to cut off somebody's ear let alone his head, to prove your friendship. But Peter was walking around kind of baffled about what's going to happen now. And notably, when he was confronted by the fire about being a friend of Jesus, about being with him, he, he, he just panicked. And he said, no, I, I, don't, I don't know him. I, I, I'm not one of his friends. I'm not one of his followers. And, and then he just kind of wandered into the night and he got to the point of saying to himself and his friends, I'm done. I, I quit. I've not been a good friend. And and then Jesus shows up and he says, okay, Peter, let's talk about this whole notion of you being my friend. What is a friend like? Jackson has given us a great list of characteristics of a friend. Being a friend means that we are simply in the same direction to start with. So so what in the verse does Jesus disclose? He says the reason the Father is fond of you is you've been fond of me and and you have believed that I came from the Father. You get it. You get me. You know who I am. And it's taken like several years for you to go from being fishermen to being people completely sold out to the truth of who I am. And in the process of it all, guess what? You have become my friends. We're going on the same direction. We're, we're going side by side. Someone says that um, one of the marks of, of friendship is that you you, you don't have to be face to face. You can be side by side. And and the difference, this person would say, between agape love and phileo love is that agape love is love that kind of requires that you be face-to-face. Certainly eros love, we'll talk about that next week. It'll be a um, a carefully worded talk that you'll only get the insider language. People that are younger won't. But in in eros love or agape love, it it requires the face-to-face relationship. Being a friend simply means being side-by-side. And, and much about this kind of love is the ability to be side-by-side side with somebody, fully comfortable with that being side-by-side. Side. Not having to, to gaze into the other person's eyes to wonder if they love you or if you love them or if, you, if they love you well enough or if you love them well enough. Being a friend certainly does mean that you love one another. David and Jonathan, it, it says that they loved each other. They, their souls were knit together. That, that's the, it was a beautiful friendship that they had. But it was, it was a friendship in which they were knit, but they were, they were side by side. And being a friend with someone means that you're going in the same direction, side by side or shoulder to shoulder. Being a friend with someone means that you can talk to them about anything. And maybe now we're maybe all beginning to sort of picture somebody or or picture situations in which we could have told that person anything and it would be all right. Um, We could have told them anything without fearing that they would judge us. But we could have told them anything understanding that they would go hard on the conversation that it might be one of those very difficult conversations. But but if you're a friend and you know you're growing in the same direction, you know that you're shoulder to shoulder, you can talk about anything. And you can talk about anything without risking the loss of the friendship. Um, A friend is someone that is going to be there, is going to stick with you to the end. And maybe you've had friendships like that, or you've been a friend like that. But if so, um, what you have experienced is is a great, great provision, being that kind of of a friend for someone. Um, Being a friend is being with somebody who gets you, right? Uh, And not everybody is your friend. Not everybody necessarily should be your friend. And when the person with whom you have whatever relationship it is doesn't get you, where the whole time is spent trying to match up who these two people are in this relationship, it's hard to be friends. But when all of a sudden you kind of get that knowing look, or in that conversation there's this level of comfort by which you say, I can be myself because this person gets me. This person is not judging me. This person is not wanting to change me. He's he's or she's being the kind of person that will give me the information, uh, the help that I would need to, to become the person I should and to change the, the things that should be changed. But this person is not requiring that of me to be my friend. So I want to suggest to you um, two assignments. And the assignments are these. I would encourage you this week because... I'm, I'm wanting to um, not, not demote, but actually um, to raise up th- the notion of this phileo love, to, to kind of um, say, wait a minute, may- maybe we have just said it's not as good love as agape, so never mind it, just go for agape love. Let's say, no, wait a minute, let, let's not do that with this kind of love. I would encourage you this week, the first assignment, to write down the list of people who are your friends in these terms. Write them down. I don't mean go to Facebook and look at your list of friends. Because that is a crazy thing, isn't it? Because it has brought a layer into this whole notion of friendship. And there's the possibility now of unfriending somebody, if you can believe it. And don't worry, you can unfriend them and they won't even know you've unfriended them, so it's not going to be awkward and all this kind of stuff. You think, wow, seriously? And, and do you count your friends on Facebook? And say, I have several hundred friends or several thousand friends. And isn't that incredible? And then there's the stark reality that you bump into somebody who's a friend on Facebook and you don't know what to do with that, right? Because what does it mean that they're your friend on Facebook? You're not really friends, not in these terms. So that's not what I mean. I mean, write down the names of people that are friends. Just write it down. And then communicate with them and tell them that you appreciate their friendship. Just say, I appreciate your friendship. I, I had someone say to me a few weeks ago, and this may sound pathetic to you. This person said to me, I kind of like you. And I looked and I said, what does that mean, you kind of like me? But you know what? It meant more than saying I love you and the Lord or something like that because it, it was an it was an honest human response. The person was saying, I, I kind of like you. Who are those people that you think would look at you or see your picture and say, oh, I kind of like him or I kind of like her. It isn't usually, you know, a, a single gender thing, this friendship. When it, when it gets into mixing things up, uh, it's very hard, I think, for women to be friends with men. I, I mean, how, ma- how many breakups are there where we can still be friends is, is kind of the parting placebo. And you say, no, 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 you can't. Because once you kind of cross a boundary and, and what what happens often properly is that friendships become romantic on the way to the proper romance, that's good. But traveling too often across genders is complicated in this whole matter of, be, of being friends. So forgive me for being chauvinistic or stereotypical here, but I, I think that's usually how it is. So who, who is that group of people that you would say, guy to guy, woman to woman, these are my friends in those terms. We get one another. And tell those people that you appreciate that, and you appreciate them and their friendship. The second thing, which is um, a more difficult thing, I think, is this, is to ask the question, how could my relationship with God be more like a friendship? than it is yet or how is my relationship with God more a friendship than something else and just decide that you'll somehow or other dwell on that for a while and say if God if, if I set aside the fact that God is my creator that God is um through His Son, my Savior and my Sanctifier and my Healer and Coming King. If, if I if I set those things aside and say, let me let me just think about the fact that this relationship with God is a friendship. How would the relationship play out differently? One of the things that friends do is they take walks together sometimes, right? Because it, it's a walk is a is a great sort of. Um, image of friendship it's the side-by-sideness of a walk that i think works really well because it, it's not stopping and gazing at each other and anything it's just going the same direction to the same destination and talking about it as you go so what does it mean to be a friend with god what would you talk about if you were god's friend what would God be interested in as your friend and, and see that could change a whole lot of things. We might have thought, what, I think God would only be interested really in me you know doing things for him and and being a good Christian and so on and you go, well, I don't know. God seems to want to be a friend with us along with everything else, but he wants to be our friend, so how would my relationship with him look?" different if it was a friendship if it wasn't um, I was his subject or I was his child or I was his student or or whatever else and just stay there I think for a few weeks and see what's different about the way that you think about your relationship with God and that day Jesus said you will ask in my name and I'm not saying that I will ask the father on your behalf The father himself is your friend And he's your friend because you have been my friends and you have believed that I came forth from the Father. Why is the Father your friend? Why would he want to characterize your relationship with him in phileo more than just agape? It it is because of the Son. Um, Every now and then, a young woman brings a guy home and... She presents the guy to her parents and says, um, he wants to talk to you. And every father dreads the, he wants to have a talk with you. When I had my little talk with Annabeth's dad, he laughed at me and walked away. It was was for good reason. He, He thought it had been a long time coming, and why did it take me so long? But fortunately, her mother said, John, he's serious, come back here came and asked, could I marry your daughter? No matter what Anabas' parents thought of me, they would have accepted me. And in, in some ways, Jesus has brought his bride home and said, this is my bride. And the father has said to his son, if she's your bride, I love her too. In fact, the theology of the New Testament in Ephesians is that we are accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. Fully accepted. And yet this verse notches it up a bit more. It says, you know what? The Father hasn't just accepted you. Hasn't just, you know garnered all his strength and agape to love you with commitment. The Father's your friend as well. Because, because you're my friend. He's your friend. And I'm not your patron. I am your friend. You can talk to my Father. He's your Father. And you can talk to him as a friend. I, I said we'd come back to the story of, of John 21. And, and I think where I got it wrong maybe was this um, and and this is partially true or maybe true as well Jesus was asking Peter for agape love he was asking for commitment but it was really on the heels of what he had said in John 16 and I didn't see that before or see the proximity it hadn't been too long before Jesus had said to his friends including Peter that you are my friends, and the Father is your friend. And so when Jesus meets Peter for breakfast on the Sea of Galilee at, at the shore, he says, do you love me with agape love? And Peter says, I'm your friend. Jesus says, do you love me with agape love? Peter says, I'm your friend. And then I thought, it grieved Peter that Jesus asked him the third time, are you my friend? because it was a compromise. I thought it was it was a, a demotion of terms. That what he really needed Peter to say was, I can love you with agape love. And th- the reason I think Peter was broken is that he maybe thought back to what Jesus had said, you're my friends. And he says, so Peter, never mind all the other stuff, are you my friend? And the fact that Jesus had needed to ask Peter, are you my friend? Seems to have just broken the the terrible awkwardness of what had gone on the last few days. And when Peter answered, he said, I am your friend. And it's like, it was like I have nothing else, nothing more to say than I am your friend. I am still your friend. And One of the clues should have been for me that Peter um, then heard Jesus say to him, okay, so let's have you do the things you said you would do, the things that I need you to do to shepherd my sheep, to feed my lambs, to feed my flock. Jesus doesn't say, okay, Peter, when you can notch it up enough to tell me that you agape love me, let's talk. He doesn't. Jesus says, Peter, Peter, are we friends? And Peter says, you know everything. You know that we're friends. The Father himself is fond of you. Somehow or other, to hear someone tell me that God loves me is good. But for someone to tell me your Father is very fond of you is a whole lot more. is a whole lot more powerful for today and tomorrow and the day after that. Brendan Manning ended his talk um, by simply looking at the crowd of people and saying, remember this, your father is very fond of you. And it rung in my ears and in my head in my heart. And for many years since then, when I've thought about him, I've thought about that simple statement that he made your father is very fond of you. I want you to believe that. I want you not to think, oh yes, other people for sure. I want you to hear the father say to you, he's right, you know. I am fond of you. I like you. So let's talk. Father, we pray that we will discover you maybe in a fresh way as our friend. That we will realize that our relationship with Jesus is a friendship as well. That you are fond of us. That even as we go through the daily activities of our lives, that in a sense you're watching what we do uh, fondly. Watching what we do with um, just an affection that is the affection of friendship. Father, rid us from the the, the relentless need to be better or different, um, but to begin in in the lovely space of acceptance, with you as our friend. Um, and and might we change n- not to please you, but might we change because of who we are. And we would love to think that you would think of us as friends of God, like Abraham. I heard someone say once that Enoch walked with God, and one day God said to Enoch, we're closer to my house than yours, so come on home. Father, may we live such lives with you, that we're just walking along with friends, with a friend, a great friend, the friend who happens to be the creator of all that is and all that we are. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.